0: Finally, stepping out of the shadows in this highly anticipated and long overdue book all about our favorite queen, we're so excited to finally discuss this book all about Padme Amidala. Here is our discussion on Queen Shadow. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello and welcome to Sky Talkers.
1: I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey everyone, I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our overdue episode about the overdue book <laughs> <laughs> on Padme Avadala. And I'm sorry that this episode is off schedule. It is all my fault because I was on a work trip last week where the closest Barnes and Noble was literally forty-five miles away from me. <laughs> and then i had family over all weekend and it's my fault that the episode's late and i
0: apologize i'm sorry it's fine it's fine this honestly this book took me longer to get through and i think it was just because i was like wanted to savor i didn't really want to rush through it than um usual for me when it comes to reading star wars books and i don't know what's up with that but i think it's totally fine I hope you guys all forgive us.
1: Yeah, and and I think too, like with releases like this, it's kind of nice to like have a little bit of time, you know, to like actually get the book and read the book and then think about the book and then yeah, discuss yeah. the book. So, um, yeah, I definitely think it was better than kind of rushing through it because then I I, I would have been reading it, I would have had to read it all Thursday, and then we would have recorded Friday for our Saturday. It, it would have been a mess. Schedule. It, it would have been a mess. <laughs> would have been a mess. Wouldn't have been able to do it. So I yeah. apologize. It is my fault that the episode is late, but it's here now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, it is. And we are doing our next episode after this discussion of Queen Shadow will be a character discussion about Padme. We haven't specifically done a Padme episode before. And for her being my favorite character, I honestly feel like we haven't talked about her in a really long time. Mm-hmm. I used to talk about her all the time. And. We need to do an episode all about her. So I guess it's Padme Month. That's it's that. Padme Month. That's back when we were the prequel podcast.
1: <laughs> like we still are a prequel, we still podcast. Are prequel podcast. But <laughs> that's when like that was everyone's favorite thing. It's like, oh Sky Talkers, the prequel podcast. We <laughs> were yeah. like,
0: are we? <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right. I like the designation. I'm it's fine, just with, it. I'm fine yeah. with it. But it but yeah,
1: it has been a while. So um Padme is getting getting her time to shine
0: this month of March. Yeah, and our friend Amy suggested the name Padme Sans, like Renaissance, Renaissance, Padme Sance. <laughs> so you can you can uh, use that if you want,
1: but it's Padme month. <laughs> Amy always has really good like names like amy was one of the first people to use Redemption. i'm pretty sure she actually came up with it mm-hmm. um and she thought of podme to that name as well for the podme yeah. podcast so amy like if you ever need a name for something amy is the person to go to she's a pun master she it's is great. a pun master
0: <laughs> master of the puns
1: <laughs> jedi master but pun master love it
0: um, but we also want to talk about up here at the top of the show. We've been talking about it for the past like four episodes. I know you guys are sick of us discussing it, but our podcast stage date is Friday, April 12th at 12 p.m. Woo. We're going to be on the podcast stage. We're really excited and we hope that you all are able to come. We'll have giveaways and we'll be discussing something. We're still working on that. <laughs> we think our podcast is will be after the episode nine panel but that's not out yet so the schedule as we're recording hasn't been released so that's you know to be announced but if so it would give us a really good thing to talk about because yeah. we'll be so fresh you don't off say
1: of that. yeah fresh out of the episode nine panel um yeah so we're the first podcast on the podcast stage for the whole like celebration so that's really fun <laughs> <laughs> Little nervous. Start arthing. your celebration with us. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Start your Star Wars celebration with Sky Talkers. <laughs>
0: um,
1: so please come. We would love to see all of you there um Friday, April 12th at 12 p.m. at the podcast stage. Probably we're speculating right after the episode nine panel. So there's gonna be a lot to talk about. Either way, there's some panel happening on Friday at like nine or ten o'clock. So <laughs>
0: Yeah, Either that, we'll talk about that or we'll tackle a theme You know us, we love to tackle a good theme So One or the <laughs> Those other Please show names. up <laughs> You know we do look, I'm just,
1: look, they're up there just tackling, tackling, the tackling the themes. their themes <laughs> Up on the podcast stage Tackling away That's
0: us <laughs> Tacklers <laughs> But yeah, Caitlin and I are really excited about the giveaways that we're doing We've been working on them Stressing out over them It's great <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's also us.
0: <laughs> Excited <Yeah>. slash stressed <laughs> yeah. Just like a ball of anxiety at all times. <laughs> please come. <laughs> yeah, please come. We'd love to meet sure. you. But before we started, I wanted to tell like this quick story that I don't think we've told on the podcast. Um last San Diego Comic-Con, which I think takes place in July, so July 2018. We had a listener. So they, that's where they announced the Queen Shadow book. And I was so excited. I think I cried when I read that there would finally be a Padme book. And I, oh my God, I was so excited. And we had a, and I was so jealous because it seemed like they were giving away posters of the cover, which is a split face between Queen Amidala and Padme in Attack of the Clones. And it's a beautiful poster. And I tweeted something, and we had a listener send Caitlin and I both a poster that's signed by E.K. Johnston. And it it just, like, I I think I teared up when I opened it because it was the mm-hmm. most thoughtful thing ever. We live on the other coast. <laughs> I I couldn't believe that someone would think of This was actually before I even tweeted about it, I think, that someone had gotten us the poster because they thought about us. It was like, I, I so still... Nice. Get so emotional when I think That's about story. it. It was so thoughtful. <laughs> what I want to say is that every time we record, the poster like looks at me straight in the face. So it's really exciting to finally be recording this episode all about Queen Shadow because I've been looking at this poster For like since a July. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've been so excited about this book. And it was just it was such a touching moment to and the, the note was just so nice. It was just like the best thing ever. And um, I just wanted to tell that story that, like, <laughs> Padme has been our guardian angel on this podcast <laughs> since July. I mean, she always is. I have, like, a bobblehead of her and everything. But she has been looking over us this entire time, and now we're going to discuss <laughs> the book, and it is very exciting.
1: Yeah. It was uh, it was such, a, like, a nice gesture to think that, I don't know, someone thought about us and was like, oh, yeah, yeah they need this, and they're not here. and. That just makes me like really grateful for our little Star Wars community and <laughs> it's just it's so nice. I don't have Padme hanging up in front of me because I move around a lot when I podcast slash I have moved around a lot in the past couple months. But once I'm in my new apartment, she will be hanging up proudly. Um, so I'm excited for that. But
0: it's time. <laughs> it's time. Padme the guardian angel. Padme the guardian angel. <laughs> Okay, so um, it's been a while since we've discussed a a good old-fashioned Star Wars book on our show, but this is how we usually break it down. So in part one, we do our initial thoughts. And in part two, we're going to be talking about some of the deeper themes and notable moments from the book. And then in part three, Caitlin and I do this thing that we've adapted from an amazing Harry Potter podcast – Um, Where it's called Lectio Divina Not the podcast, the podcast is Harry Potter and the (laughs) Sacred Text Um, The sacred practice is called Lectio Divina But we've kind of adapted it (laughs) So it's not necessarily a sacred practice anymore Caitlin and I just share quotes And we analyze them, our first impressions And what we think about the quotes Mm -hmm. So that's what we will be doing in part three It's fun Yeah, it is really fun So without further ado, let's get started
1: So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? All right. Welcome to part one where we're talking all about our initial thoughts. And as Charlotte is our resident Padme book, I feel like you need to go first. I am the resident Padme book. <laughs> Did I say you're the resident Padme book? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the resident Padme expert, Padme lover,
0: and Padme book. <laughs> In a weird way, I kind of am an open Padme book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yes. That's what I meant. You go. <laughs> Okay. I So for my initial thoughts of this book, I really had a great time reading it. I had basically no expectations about this book, even though I love Padme and I've been thinking about Padme, you know, since I was a child and she's been my favorite character for so long. I wasn't trying to put too much expectation on this book and I didn't want to impose too many, like, yeah, huge expectations on this book to ultimately let me down. And because of that, I kind of avoided spoilers. I avoided everything. I muted all the words. I spent like probably two months, I think, outside of uh, Queen Amidala, Padme, all of that conversation that was happening on Twitter because I muted all those words. (laughs) And I never read any of the uh, the excerpts or anything like that. I kind of just didn't really want to follow the process because I wanted to be surprised by the book. And so I didn't really know much about it. And because of that, I was really shocked and surprised that there was even going to be this element and connection to the Skywalker saga. Um, I was really excited that you know Padme had this deep want to free me. I thought that that was such an amazing touch, and like it really does have ripple effects for me how I think about Padme as a character, and just even that addition almost makes this book <laughs> worth it to me because I genuinely really loved this book, and I think that it is a really good companion to both uh, The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And it's kind of this amazing bridge in this period that we haven't really explored, especially in books. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts. Should I go into them?
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll give my initial thoughts. I think that Mm -hmm. this book was like, I think what you ended with is the best way to talk about this book. I think it is such an excellent bridge between The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Like the things that get woven in, Throughout this book, that reference back to Attack of the Clones and even into Clone Wars and Attack of the Clones, I thought was really well done. Like the introduction of characters that we'll talk about, I'm sure, um, and just like plot points, like the Shmi plot point, and like referencing a lot. Like, I really liked the emphasis throughout this book of the Battle of Naboo and like what a big deal Mm -hmm. that was for Padme and the Handmaidens, because I think that's, you know, one of the big critiques with such with having such a big time gap between The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, is that, like, that never – like, it doesn't really get brought up that much (laughs) later Mm -hmm. on. But in this book, it was really clear to see that even though it had happened, like, a what, two, three years ago in the book, um, it was still something that, like, deeply affected Padme and, like, her whole crew. Um, So Mm -hmm. I really like that. I will be honest and say that this book was – I didn't love it as much as you did, but, like, you are the, like, target audience. I, like, expected
0: that. I Yeah. I, don't...
1: I mean, I, I didn't come into this with any expectations either because I didn't want to be disappointed in it. I didn't want – I don't know. Like you, I didn't want to have any set expectations about it um, and kind of build it up in my head to be let down when it inevitably didn't meet the head cannons that I thought it should go into. And not because my head cannons were better, but just because it's what I had been living with for – six months to a year, you know what I mean? So I really didn't go, I I didn't look at any of the discussion either. I didn't read any spoilers about it. There were a lot of things I really liked about this book, but there were also some things that I think could have been done differently or ways that I wish it was different, I guess, is a better way to talk about it. I will say that one thing I'm super glad that this book did is I'm so glad that they embossed the cover of this book.
0: (laughs) I totally agree. This is something that they haven't been doing. They haven't been.
1: And Star Wars is such like like we talked about I think we talked about this with Last Shot or with The Last Jedi. The, the Jin Erso book. Yeah. I was like, why have they not done some like crazy cool emboss on the front of these books of like you know or even like you could go like metallic with like oh, the full, like with like hyperspace like there's so many cool things you could do with the covers of these books being star wars and like in the galaxy and the first thing i did when i got this book is i took off the dust jacket and i was like oh my god they embossed it <laughs> i totally agree and i love the color it stands out probably, on my yeah. on my shelf mm-hmm. that i'm looking at right now and yeah, I think the design is so – like, the actual physical book is so great, like, with the embossing. I love the font that they used in this book, too. Like, it looked very Naboo. Yeah,
0: they use this font for every book.
1: Yeah, I thought it worked really well, though, for this mm-hmm. book. Um, it mm-hmm. just, like, it meshed really well, I thought. Um So I wanted to, like, say that before I forgot about, like, the actual cover of the book because I was so excited to see it embossed.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. But like I said, there are some things that didn't work as well for me with this book. But generally, I am over the moon that we have it. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope that it only leads to like more and more Padme content. And I will say that it was really nice to get back into the prequel
0: timeline. Um I agree. I agree. And I was happy to have that realization because you and I have been so obsessed with the sequel trilogy for the past year and a half. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, for for a while. And like our head has been there. We've been talking about resistance and everything. And part of me was kind of getting a little worried that with the Clone Wars coming out soon, that I wouldn't be as excited to return to that time period. But I, I really loved going back into it.
1: Yeah, it was so nice. And like the way that like the other characters like Bale and Mina Bonteri and Mon Mathma, and I was like, oh my god, I know all of these people and like <laughs> – I don't know. It was, it was nice to like be imagining the prequel world again and like the aesthetic mm-hmm. of the prequel world again because the aesthetics for all of our trilogies are very different. And it was just nice to be back in in like this timeline um, despite like some of my critiques of the book as a whole like it it was really nice to be back in this period of Star Wars Um, and I really enjoyed that factor of it.
0: Mm -hmm. I was just speaking off of the people that were um, included in this book that were surprising. I was really surprised that Clovis was in the bu- oh, this yeah. book, that Mina was in this book, that Bale, that Mon, and the relationships that they kind of etched out mm-hmm. were more complicated than I would have imagined. No, oh, yeah. I, I thought it was really surprising, her reluctance to even like Mon Mothma. And... Just the the Mina relationship continues to be super complicated and I love it. Mm-hmm. I've loved it since the Clone Wars. You and I both. It's funny because this book provided you know, more content into episodes that you and I really love in the Clone Wars. When do we not reference heroes on both sides? (laughs) I know. And I love all of the ones with Clovis, which is such a controversial opinion, I guess, among the fandom because people don't necessarily like that. Like Padme and Anakin fans don't necessarily like all the stuff with Clovis because it, I don't know, complicates their relationship with Anakin. But I've always loved it because it points out so many flaws Mm -hmm. and it just reinforces, you know. Star Wars is tragedy. And so I love to get even more backstory. And even just I was rewatching those episodes two nights ago, and they fully referenced the plot of their their mission to save the aqueducts in that Clone Wars episode. Mm-hmm. And just to even have that like tapestry of stories kind of be filled in that when i go back and rewatch that episode i can be like oh my god yeah remember that remember. i do remember that yeah
1: yeah And like clovis was annoying but then suddenly he wasn't
0: <laughs> yeah and then it like obviously I, I really liked the whole plot line with clovis it, it felt it felt true to how these two characters were in the clone wars as well i didn't think that there was any out of character bits there And it also, I really liked the the conversation about consent that it brought up when he kissed her. I thought that was a great scene and how angry she was. And I also thought it was an interesting, almost um, foil, if you will, or a mirror to when Anakin kisses Padme on Naboo, because she pulls away and says no, but it's not like she is offended by that. Mm-hmm. she knows that she also let herself go too far in that moment um i just think it was it was interesting because you can compare those two kisses one being you know a, a little bit of a temptation and the other being absolutely crossing a line mm
1: mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah i thought that the way that it was weaved into the clone wars characters was so well done and it was really fun like those kinds of like it didn't feel like a crossover Mm -hmm. Um, it felt really natural and I guess that's kind of the benefit of having like a setting like the senate because you have all these characters like moving in and out and the Clone Wars introduced us to so many of them that it really benefited this book but like it nothing felt like gratuitous as far as Mm -hmm. like our senators did and I was texting you about Bail Organa and like Bail Organa Never feels gratuitous in Star Wars. Like <laughs> I feel like we've seen him in so many different books and on film and in and in animation, and he never feels gratuitous. Like he always feels like he's supposed to be there. I'm always excited to see him. Um, I love how he's always just doing something like on the periphery, and you're never like a hundred percent sure what it is, but you're like Balogana, I trust that dude. <laughs> <laughs> why do you think that is that it doesn't feel gratuitous know. Because, ever like, with him because some easter eggs really do like i'll be honest i didn't love the dex's
0: diner easter egg in this book yeah i didn't either It felt a little like it, they could have referenced it without even outlining that it was dex I, I felt
1: like it was like we we heard about the diner like two chapters ahead and it was like it's this greasy joint that tanra likes and i'm like good lord if it's dex's diner like why didn't you just tell me it was dex's diner <laughs> like from the get-go and like like, are there any other diners on Coruscant? Like, um, there has to be. There literally have to be. So, like that kind of Easter egg, I don't enjoy. And like we've talked about, like the Easter eggs in the Force Awakens are sometimes really heavy handed, and and some of the like character Easter eggs too, like the um, in Rogue One, the guys from A New Hope. When they're on Jeddah, why can't I think of mm-hmm. the pig-faced man? Um, like, those kind of character drops feel heavy-handed to me. But Bail Organa never does. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I thought he was so well-written in this book. And, like, always I was just like, wow, give me more Bail Organa. But the weird thing is, like, I I really hope that Bail Organa never has, like, his own book or comic series. Like, I love how he just, like, floats in and out of these different stories and is impacting all of our characters. Like, I really love him – existing as a main periphery character yeah that's really interesting i agree with that because i never like i never want to know all of bale's story because he's he's like in a way he's kind of like han solo in that he's just always he always has his hands in different activities and projects and and you know that but like with bale you know that he's got this like bigger picture in his head at all times
0: Yeah, I think it comes from his link to Leia Mm -hmm. that is the reason why we're fine with seeing that, because so much of her story still needs to be told. I think we have Leia, Princess of Alderaan, but that was probably the most that we'll maybe ever get of Alderaan. Mm -hmm. And I think just as much times as we can see Bale interacting with characters from the prequels, it allows this bridge of our original trilogy characters and our prequel trilogy characters just as much as possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, um, it kind of reminds me of the Godfather part one and part two in this weird way.
0: Do you see that? I mean, I guess Like having- <laughs> there's a lot about star Wars. That's I think similar to the Godfather, but <laughs> in this weird way, just like having that like whole
1: like flashback sequence and like we get Bail a lot in these flashbacks than knowing like what his role will be later on and and I really <laughs> loved seeing the start of his relationship with Padme um, mm-hmm. and I thought it was really well handled um, most of it <laughs> there were yeah. some parts where I was like what are we doing here um, <laughs> but overall like I really loved it um, and I never say no to more Bail Arcana
0: even as I said maybe not as much Bail Arcana <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny because I think this book did, I I don't know how I feel about fan service overall, and it's something I go back and forth with in terms of, is something fan service or does it serve the story? And I think often what Padme was encountering in this book served the story, but I think the Dex's Diner thing is an example of a fan service moment I just didn't need, Mm -hmm. and um, but overall I did feel like it was so familiar to me to get back into a universe that I was familiar with and it didn't feel gratuitous, the amount of names that were being dropped because I had a reference point and I don't necessarily feel that way about a lot of other star Wars books. Like I definitely feel, didn't feel that way about last shot. I definitely didn't feel that way about Ahsoka. I even wanted more, I think more familiar names in both of those books, mm mm-hmm. um, And I think that I felt more grounded in this book because I had those familiar names.
1: Yeah. And it was nice because, like, Mina is a character we know fairly well from Clone Wars, but she's not – like, she was in, like, two episodes. And then, you know, Mon Mothma has appeared in a lot of different ways, but we were seeing a very different perception of Mon Mothma in this book um so it was it wasn't just like oh they appeared to say like hello to padme and like be cool because she's from the clone wars and from you know revenge of the sith and a new hope like there was a reason why she was talking to padme and like it added another layer to her character that we haven't really seen before
0: mm-hmm. totally so I, I really did enjoy that let's talk about the handmaidens because i've never been someone who was like Super obsessed with the concept of the handmaidens. I'm always been just so obsessed with Padme herself that the the handmaidens are like extra, but I never really dove deep into that part of Padme's life. And because of that, I come into this book with like no expectations about the handmaidens and no Honestly, n- like no background or knowledge mm-hmm. uh, about the handmaidens. And because of that, I thought it was cool. I still don't really think I know that much about them <laughs> from this book. And maybe that's okay because the book is about Padme and not, it's not a handmaiden book. But i I still think they're cool. I think they're cooler now, and I'm happy to be excited. Uh, I'm really excited to be dressing up as one at Celebration, <laughs> but and maybe more so than I did before. So that is that tells me something about the impact of this book on me. But I still don't know if this book 100% made me like super interested in each individual handmaiden.
1: I think and this is kind of one of my bigger critiques of the book is that I feel like it set – like the first like 50 pages set me up to start caring about this group of handmaidens and then they were all kind of scattered and we didn't see most of them really for the rest of the book. And then we were brought into this new group of handmaidens and we didn't really even get that much about them in particular. And for me, I think that was really the weakness um, overall. And I think when I first started reading it, and you know we're at the at the palace, and Padme is, um, you know, they're all in the lake. And number one, that cold open definitely fooled me. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, are we really going there? Like, are we starting? Whoa, okay, and then, super Bowl. And then I was like, it was good. Wait a second, <laughs> that's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, it definitely fooled me. But when they're, you know, they're talking about like Rabe and Sashay and Yane and they're going off on their own adventures, and that's when the Tatooine plot is kind of brought up. I I definitely thought that we were going to be spending the bulk of our time between Padme and Sabe and mm-hmm. that Sabe would stay on Tatooine and like they would kind of be running these dual missions um mm-hmm. at the same time. And I got so excited about that because I had no idea that the Tatooine situation was even like on the table for this book. And as soon as I read it on the cover, like on the dust jacket, I was like, Oh my God, like that's genius. Um, I Mm -hmm. love that idea. It's like, of course it's something Padme would do. And it makes so much sense when we see an attack of the clones when she's like, yeah, let's go back um, with Anakin. And then like, We only spent like 20 – like less than 20 pages on the Tatooine storyline. I don't know. That was like – that was really disappointing for me. And then I never felt like we stayed with Sabe long enough to like get a better understanding of what she does other than she loves Padme. Like that seemed Mm -hmm. to be her overarching overarching motivation for everything she did. And that's not bad, but I – like for as much risk as she's putting herself in, I really wanted to like see some more motivation. And we kind of got that on Tatooine. But again, we weren't on Tatooine long enough and like we didn't even see them actually go through the process of like purchasing and acquiring the slaves. We like literally just met up with them as they took them off world and then like that was that. And I don't – Yeah. And I don't know like – I thought that we'd get like a lot more communication between Sabe and Padme. And and we did, but it was never – I don't know. It just was never deep enough. Like it was always – we were just like kind of touching base with them, touching base with each other, if that makes sense. Yeah. And No, I totally get that. Yeah. And I never felt like we really dived deep into – like I kind of figured once – Padme went to Coruscant and we got our new set of handmaidens that like we weren't really going to get to know a lot of them very deeply but I I guess I expected to know more about Sabe at the end of the book and like I care about her but I don't care about her a lot.
0: I care about her in the way that now I know that she would do anything for Padme which I guess I should have I did know in the beginning since that's her role but that she was like Padme's BFF I guess. Yeah. And I think that that could have been more. I think that the the message of female friendship in this book is definitely there. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm i with you. I felt very like they told rather than showed.
1: Yeah. And like the – yeah, I guess I just like I expected to spend the bulk of our time with Padme and Sabé. Like, mm-hmm. that was where the bulk of our, like, emotions were going to come from. Whereas instead, I feel like it was a lot of, like, following Padme around to different meetings. And I thought that there was a lot of good stuff in those meetings, like, with Mon Mothma and Mina and, and Bale. Like, I think those were all really good things. And, like, her kind of figuring out the Senate and, like, with Palpatine too. But then I was like, oh, yeah, what is Sape doing again? Like, oh, she's, mm-hmm. like, watching communications, I guess, and, like, sleeping with Tanra. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm I'm so with you.
0: Uh I yeah. I, de- I definitely felt like a whole chunk of the book was cut out about the Tatooine part.
1: Which is I don't get why because I think that was like when they started talking about Shmi, I was like that's when I was most hooked into the book, honestly. Because I was like, this is so interesting. I think it ties really well. Like Padme never like explicitly references Anakin in the book. He's always like this little boy that she knew, mm-hmm. she knew on Tatooine. you always be that little boy I knew on Tatooine. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. I really liked how it wasn't – It was like something – like the Battle of Naboo stayed with her, but then also that time on Tatooine stayed with her and it was for this really like noble cause and this like really good thing. And I understood why she felt like she had to drop it later on in the Senate because it was like you can't fight every evil in the world and like you have to make a name for yourself in the Senate before you can start going after these like huge things and like what the slavery on Tatooine is like a deeply seated um it's not something you can just fix overnight but i guess i would have liked it better if that had kind of been our plot for the book um even if it didn't end well yeah
0: i wish that I wish that they had pushed that a little bit further because obviously she's gonna fail, yeah, and obviously she's not gonna be able to get just me out. Like obviously, I think that it doesn't, obvi- it doesn't make sense in Attack of the Clones. Then I thought it was really interesting though, like just kind of to stay on this plot point for a bit. The fact that Sabe saw the the white sun over the door, mm-hmm. which is Baru's last name, so there's definitely more to that story, and I'm wondering. What it is like? Why is there a white son? Did Baru somehow help her get out and meet Klieg? I, I There's there's more to that story, and maybe it was a good. It would have been a good place to see that here. I would have been really happy to see that here. Yeah. Um. And maybe it felt like that was taken out. There was there was parts I thought, especially that part that I was like. Can I know the names of these slaves at least that are leaving?
1: Yeah, or like how they've managed to get onto Tatooine and like like with Sabe and Tanra, I thought they had such an interesting relationship. And like, as you well know, I'm a sucker for a good romance. And I was like so ready to ship Sabe and Tanra, like a hundred percent. Um, <laughs> and I and I loved too that Sabe was like, look, Padme and my work with her is number one. Like it's always going to be. I loved her straightforwardness with that. And, like, she – I don't know. And, and like, I loved – like, there was that line at the very beginning of the book where Padme was, like, oh, like, Tanra and Sabe are walking together. And Padme's, like, oh, maybe Sabe has finally, like, allowed herself to enjoy the view. Like, implying that <laughs> Tanra is cute. And I was, like, oh, that's so fun. Like, I like that. And I like that he was always – like, he wanted to stand next to her. But it was, like, I felt like they had, like, two – Like, not even, like, one full conversation. And then suddenly he's like, hey, I think I could love you. Let's make out. <laughs> and then that was it until the very end of the book, really. Mm-hmm. And then it was implied that he'd actually been away for a while because we would, like, pick up in Revenge of the Sith timeline. And I don't know. Like, I just – I wanted their – to be more between like Sabe and Padme and then like Sabe's relationship with Chandra as it relates to her work with Padme. Because I thought that was a really interesting like dynamic and like I liked their really open conversations about it. And I just would have liked it
0: more. I wanted more of it, I guess. I totally ship them. I I I really liked the whole conversation, the love scene in the book.
1: Yeah. And
0: I thought – it was really, I thought it was a good move. I like the the line at the end where they're kind of on again, off again, and they're partners, but they're like with benefits. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought that that was a dynamic that we hadn't seen ever in Star Wars, I guess. And I also think it's interesting. I think that Tonra is in The Phantom Menace too, in like the background. <laughs> and he's played by a big actor. Let me Google it. Because it's it's really interesting. All these um, these handmaidens that are pay- played by big actresses, and then also Tanra, who's played by, let's see, who is it? Richard Armitage. Oh, <laughs> I know. It's like it's so random. <laughs> so I liked picturing Richard Armitage too, and I think that helped. Which is funny, <laughs> but yeah, I totally ship them, and I, I liked their partnership, I and I liked too. that they live together and. That was an intriguing part about Sabe's life that I wanted to follow. Yeah,
1: but we never stayed with them long enough. That was yeah, the thing. There was,
0: it, the, there was definitely parts that were cut out.
1: Yeah, like that. it was so interesting, their whole dynamic, because like clearly he liked her. I think at one point he was like, would you pick her even over someone like me who like loves you? Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, I, I really – that, like, one conversation they really had <laughs> in mm-hmm. the book, I thought it was so interesting and, like, him following her. And um, there was that that really great line where Sabe at one point was asking him to come with her again. And she says something to the effect of, like, yes, I want you to come with me. And then in her thoughts, she's like, I was trying so hard not to manipulate him. And it, yeah. I thought it was such a good line and, like, really explained their dynamic well, but I just never felt – Like, I really understood what Tanra liked about Sabe or even what Sabe thought she could like about Tanra or if she really was just using him um, for, like, a connection. So, I, yeah, I really liked their dynamic. Um, I would have liked to have seen it more. And I would have liked to have seen more of Sabe and Padme's dynamic, too, honestly.
0: Yeah, I think that the thing about Sabe and Padme's dynamic is that on the surface, like, when you finish this book and all is said and done – Um, I think that Sabe provides, if if Sabe represents part of Padme, and I think that you're supposed to think that because they're literally, you know, interchangeable. Mm -hmm. Padme, I mean, Sabe is like the hard side of Padme. And this book is supposed to show Padme kind of shedding that and leaning into her vulnerabilities and allowing herself to learn something new. Mm -hmm. And... Sabe remains that hard shell that has to be there because that will always be part of her. But it it was an interesting way to show these two sides of Padme, I think. Mm -hmm. And it served a function for me to understand more about Padme and to really outline that part of her that is so focused, that is so driven for... She's kind of driven for adventure. It's something that I got from this book that I thought was really fun. I, I liked that Padme really liked to do the handmaiden switcheroo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought that was great. But that 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 part of Padme that is all business. That I think that's Sabé, and I think that that's what we're supposed to think when we think about Sabe.
1: Yeah, I think it was good. I thought that was represented well and how they always brought up the different types of voices Padme uses, depending on who she's Mm -hmm. talking to. And like her learning, like, okay, I don't have to use the Queen of voice anymore. Um, And in this situation, I shouldn't be using it. Um, I thought that was a really interesting, like
0: a literal fluctuation in her voice. Yeah. Yeah, I always liked that because Pat, uh, Natalie Portman had gone through like voice acting training with I, I don't know I don't know who she trained with but I think that she had you know mimicked a British accent at some point and a, a stiff accent right that I think that confused critics when uh, The Phantom Menace came out but the fact that it was underlined that the voice is legitimately different um I liked that that was it was you know hardline canon that these two people are essentially like this person is playing two roles Mm -hmm. and it makes me I haven't watched uh, the Phantom Menace yet after reading this book but I think that I will understand and appreciate that part of Queen Amidala a little bit more now Mm -hmm. yeah because it's like they had to be able to
1: speak in the same voice in order to continue fooling people exactly Um, yeah I thought that was a really nice addition Um, I thought it made a lot of sense too um, and I like too at the end how even though – and we don't know what Sabe was doing between like basically like Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith time. It sounds like she was still working for Padme in some capacity. Um, but I liked how when Bale called her, again, like a great Bail moment. Like of course it's Bale who calls <laughs> at the end of the book when she like puts on – I think it says like she puts on the Queen Amidala voice again because she didn't want to give anything away. Um, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh,
0: she's still got it. <laughs> She still She's got still it. Still got She's it. Still kicking. Still got it. <laughs> There's something I didn't like in this book, and I want to talk about it. This is like I dropped my book when I read this, <laughs> and this is controversial, guys. I know it is. I don't like that the outfits are weaponized. I just like things can be pretty, and it doesn't have to be weaponized. <laughs> I like that. That was something that I loved about Padme, and continue to love, is that uh, she wears pretty clothes. And I don't necessarily know that they needed to to just serve a function. I think that a, a regal ruler can wear fancy clothes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I totally see where we're coming from. I didn't mind that they were defensive. I actually liked the description on one of them where it talked about how it it basically had like a built-in escape hatch. (laughs) I really like that because as we have talked about, like this book made clear that like the Battle of Naboo had a really deep impact on Padme. Mm -hmm. And I think that it would make sense for after something like that on what was such a peaceful planet like Naboo to kind of go – to the extreme as far as her mm-hmm. garments. The thing that I didn't like about the garments was the distraction element of it. Like, oh, the headdress is a distraction. And I don't know. It reminded me of, like, those fish that have, like, lights over top of their heads, <laughs> like, distract their prey. I don't know. I didn't really, like, made me think too much of, like, animals <laughs> and, like, their stripes <laughs> and things, which I guess is fine. I didn't mind the defensive mechanism of it because I think that made sense. It didn't – and. Practically the distraction element of it too makes sense when we're talking about the use of decoys and they talk a lot about how like no one looks at the decoys or the handmaidens like in the face and like there's always so much to look at with Queen Amadala that you're never like concentrating long enough to be like, oh, I don't really she looks a little different today so I get it but I, I whenever I read about the distraction element I thought of that fish with the light overs
0: <laughs> <laughs> I make myself feel better about this whole. You know, functional um, outfits by thinking about Attack of the Clones, where Padme is wearing looser clothes, and it, it serves a meta element that she's just more comfortable around Anakin rather than wearing all these fierce garments that clearly she still wears in the Senate. Um, even when she's under attack, she's wearing flowy dresses on in her lake retreat on Naboo. That's that's how I make myself <laughs> feel better about this, but I'm still just not really a fan.
1: Yeah, it's kind of
0: mascul- masculine masculinizing something that I just think can be overtly feminine.
1: Yeah. I think perhaps, too, this book was like a transition. Like she was going through her transition wardrobe as well, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of (laughs) moving from, okay, I had to wear this while I was queen. Now I'm in the Senate. I can tone things down a little bit. Oh, wait. Someone's trying to kill me. Maybe not. <laughs> um, and like figuring out where that balance is. Because you're right. It is. It's very evident that by the time we get to Attack of the Clones, things have kind of calmed down as far as the wardrobe is concerned. Because maybe they've just decided that like they don't. There are other methods that they use. And clearly they're still using the, the switcheroo. What I thought was funny is that like, I don't know, like 150 pages into this book or something, Padme or Sabe, one of them was like, we only use the the switcheroo and like, very dangerous situations. I'm like you have already used it like 3 times in this book.
0: <laughs> but it's so great because Padme like genuinely likes to I do think, it yeah. and I love that element of her being like Let's have fun. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's fun that she likes
1: doing it because it is so much better for her to, like, spy on people. And I loved that whole sequence when they were at Mon Mothma's party mm-hmm. and she's, like, standing on – who was it, Typho? Like, his his shoulders or something. And then she was like, oh, my God, they're coming. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. I got to go with me. <laughs> I, like, I loved, I loved all of that. But I just thought it was funny because they were like, we very rarely
0: use the decoy strategy. <laughs> like, I mean, don't you think it's kind of, like – Also funny that Padme likes the idea that she could potentially get caught. Like, doesn't that provide a different spin on her relationship with Anakin and how she kind of likes this idea of potentially getting caught? Oh, yeah.
1: Like, secret romances are always, like, so heated because, I just—I like—I like like the fact that she was like, I'm into that. Like, that's hot. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think we see that here. She does have a a bit of a taste for adventure and— Danger. Danger. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then that moment with Bail when she's like i closed the door and i heard him laughing <laughs> i was like
0: yeah. oh no <laughs> <laughs> she got caught <laughs> speaking of getting caught this is another controversial element of this book i think and i don't really know how i stand on it still but the book revealed that qui-gon knew it was padme the entire time on tatooine what do you think about that
1: i didn't love it <laughs> i think i need to like rewatch the phantom menace with Same. that in my Same. head um But I don't know. I just, from what, from what, like the moments that I'm remembering from Phantom Menace, it's like Padme was always like a little perturbed with like Qui Gon kind of taking the lead. And, you know, we get that great moment of like, well, I don't approve. And it's, it's Uh like so under the table because like, she should have the authority here, um, but she doesn't because she's in, she's done the old switcheroo. And I don't know. I kind of liked how she was able to fool him. Um, for me, it kind of takes away from the reveal in The Phantom Menace that she's actually the queen. And I love the idea that Padme, this, like, 14-year-old queen, and her handmaidens are, like, so good at what they do that they can even fool a Jedi Master I really like that idea. And I don't know if I think that like the Padme and Qui-Gon relationship was like strong enough in The Phantom Menace to like warrant them being like super good friends for her to be like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, he knew. And that was so great.
0: Yeah. I think I'm with you. (laughs) I don't really know. I think I need to watch The the Phantom Menace again. I'm like in the middle. I think it's crafty that Qui-Gon knew. Like, I think that's a cool thing about his character if you're a Qui-Gon fan. Not really a (laughs) Qui-Gon fan. Brian, I know. know.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I I think it is a cool thing for Qui-Gon's character. I don't know if it's – I don't know. I don't know if it works for what we see in The Phantom Menace as far as, like, how the two of them interact with each other. um, To have this, like, underneath the surface that he
0: actually knew the whole time. Well, it's kind of funny because then it it puts things at, like, Qui-Gon being, like, how much can he push – the queen if he knew that and because to get his way which i think you can look at it two sides the way i look at it is like i'm not a big fan of qui-gon so it annoys me but if you're a fan of qui-gon you're like haha that's so qui-gon you know doing things his own way i think that's yeah i think that's the best way to describe it it's
1: like as someone who's not the biggest qui-gon fan it's like oh my god and he's just like he's just playing with her
0: throughout Mm -hmm. the movie
1: and that I don't think I like that's what I think I don't like about it is that it's like oh he knew the whole time and he's just like giving her a hard time to be giving her a hard time Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I like it I think I I do think I need to like rewatch The Amanda Menace with this now in my head but as of this moment of recording (laughs)
0: um, I don't think I like that reveal something I really liked about this book and then we'll kind of wrap up and go into our deeper themes but I really liked the all the foreshadowing that happened in this book. It was sometimes gratuitous, and I loved it. <laughs> and is it okay if I read some quotes? This is a book discussion. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so on page 228 in the hardcover, um, she's talking about her sister having her first baby. And she goes, It's put me in a mind to think about the future in a different sort of way than I usually do. I liked that. I always like the moments where Padme considers and wants for a future. Um, that includes motherhood or getting married or something like that or love for her like some something for her to settle down love those moments love that deleted part in attack of the clones where she's talking about it 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 would have been helpful on page 272 she says i can't imagine having twins but she's so good at it she's talking about yane um i love the whole (laughs) padme being like overwhelmed at the prospect of having twins love that on page 329 Padme hoped she would never need to confront something herself to believe it, even if it meant she would face an increase in personal moral discomfort. Loved this. This Mm is one of my like favorite moments in the book. When I read this line. I was like, oh, honey, <laughs> I'm so sorry that you have to experience that later in Revenge of the Sith when you absolutely have to go see if Anakin has turned to the dark side for yourself. Yeah. And it does put you in a moral discomfort in so many ways. Yeah, I was, I was kind of gutted by that line. Mm-hmm. It was a good one. On page 239, it says, I've guarded my heart against everything for so long, always aware of the dynamics and the flow of power. I've been lucky to find so many people who understand that and give me that space. I'm afraid that if someone breaks through, I'll let them and it would be catastrophic. And it Aww. is. <laughs> yeah. It is catastrophic when you let someone break through, but you did allow yourself three three years of joy. So it's just kind of sad. <laughs> it is it's sad. really sad. It is sad. <laughs> it's the
1: way you phrase that. Well, you did. And I guess you had a little bit of happiness. Well, it's
0: like I oh, I just love. The reason why I love their relationship is how complicated it is. And getting these moments of foreshadowing makes me even more sad for their tragic romance and makes me love it even more because I'm a sucker for those things. Yeah. Yeah. The angst is so there. And even just these moments that show that Padme is almost afraid of vulnerability and then just underscore those moments in Attack of the Clones when she allows herself to be vulnerable. It really – this book did an amazing thing where – it reinforced my headcanons and helped me, which I don't think I said up top. I was really worried that this book would present a different Padme than I had built up in my head. For years and years, we had almost very little Padme reference material of getting inside of our head. A few comics, a few like chapters in some books, and these deleted scenes and the novelizations. And that that was it. And so you spend a lot of time in fan fiction. You spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about the character in your own way. And this book did a thing for me where it reinforced that everything I had thought about the character was true or everything I thought about the character, E.K. Johnston was also thinking about the character and therefore Lucasfilm approved it (laughs) and that was great. And I really, I can't express how grateful I am to that because if I had gone into this book and all my, you know, headcanons or thoughts about this character and like her values and her moral, moral compass were compromised, I really would have hated it and I'm just really thankful that it didn't do that. Even down to the last epilogue where, you know, her handmaidens in Sabe particularly, uh, you know, the red flags go off about Padme and her death. I have always thought about that that way. And I... I'm so happy that that's canon and I can't wait. for. I, there has to be a sequel or some sort of story. Oh, I yeah. need it.
1: I mean, if Sabe is not a part of Fulcrum, like, why are we here? <laughs> yes,
0: I know. That's what we're all and thinking, and it, was right? just, it was just like all these moments of um, getting inside Padme's head, even her culture on Naboo, like even going back to her parents' place. It was like, oh my God, I know all these people. Like, I'm so familiar with this from, you know, the deleted scenes, exploring this whole like structure and fan fiction, something I really loved that they did was make it so that some women on Naboo don't necessarily have a husband or a, a partner when they want to have kids. They just have kids because they want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I liked that because then it it doesn't necessarily raise a lot of questions about Padme's um, pregnancy when she dies. Mm.
1: Yeah, I haven't thought of that. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I thought it was really great. Also, it, it did this thing where it's like, it's funny because in canon, yeah, uh, Sola, her sister, didn't have a husband in the novelization – he she has a husband, but that's not can- canon anymore. So it's really interesting. I really liked that part of uh, Naboo and fleshing out Naboo, Naboo's culture.
1: Yeah, that is really interesting. I hadn't really considered that. I think it, it's it was great to like have these moments that you brought up because like having like you said having point of view from Padme about her own love life is quite lacking <laughs> for so for laughing. a relationship that is so complicated as Anakin and Padme. I think we 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 have a lot of content about what Anakin thinks about Padme. Um but being able to, like, see even just these little tidbits before she's even, like, reunited with him, Um, I think you're right. It's, like, it's so helpful to kind of get in her headspace in this moment of time when she's in such a transitional period. But she's still kind of thinking about the future. And it meshes so well with her wanting at some point to have a family of her own, but also this, like, sense of adventure. And, and Anakin Skywalker waltzes in and it's kind of, like… the He's like, I can give you both. I'm a Jedi, forbidden romance. Also, let's have a baby. (laughs) Um, But like, I mean, obviously, it's a a lot more serious than that, but it makes it makes perfect sense. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was I think these quotes were really great about her just thinking forward and knowing, again, like that's the fun thing about Star Wars is like we know where she's headed. We just haven't always understood why she made some of the choices she made. Um, But
0: this book has really kind of alluded to a lot of that. Definitely. Is there anything else you want to add in this section? I don't think so. Okay. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay, so welcome to part two where we're going to discuss deeper themes and some notable moments. And we've kind of covered some of it, but let's get into like the key themes in this book. And I think the number one theme, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I think the book did a really good job discussing the sense of self and how important it is to in when you're going from adolescence to adulthood to understand who you are and how perfect that you have a character who <laughs> had to play a part for so long That is that not only is the part, I don't know, it is (laughs) the queen character that she and her handmaidens have crafted is her, her. It is her. It is part of her. And rationalizing these two parts of Padme is like the main focus of the book for me. I think the book did a really good job of rationalizing these two things of Padme having to deal with the fact that she used to be this character of the queen, but she still believes in those moral ideals and how can she move forward with that thought process?
1: Yeah, I thought it did. I thought that was like Padme's whole like thought process throughout the whole book was trying to figure out who like you have like the quote, you know, who was she after all if when she wasn't the queen of Naboo? Um, and that's like what she's dealing with. And, and it's funny because the creators of the sequel trilogy talk a lot about how all of our characters are transitioning from adolescence to adulthood and that adolescent mm-hmm. and that And that kind of transition is difficult. And we're seeing this with Padme too, that transition is difficult and she's doing it on like a very open stage. Um, And I thought it was great. Like her kind of realizing that she's never going to be able to shed that part of who she was as the queen of Naboo entirely. And then realizing that like, Oh, she doesn't need to like, just because she's not Queen of Naboo anymore doesn't mean she has to get rid of that piece of her. Um, and she has that convert like her conversation with Brea on um, Alderaan, like, was so uh, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the book because I loved the discussion they had about being a monarch, um, and about being a queen. And she says something like, Brea's like, Oh, it must be nice that like now you're not tied to the, to the queen anymore, to being the queen. And she's, and Padme says something like, Well, I think I'll always be attached Mm -hmm. to the queen um, in some way and in the politics of it in some vein because – That's who I was for four years. Um, And I thought that was really nice. Um, But I liked, too, that she recognized that things had to be different now and that she wasn't just the queen. Like, for as much as she could keep that, like, queen persona and, like, the things she learned while being queen with her, like, she also had new things to learn. Um, And Mm -hmm. there was that great scene with her handmaidens where she was talking about um, how – I think they were talking about, like, the voice thing, about, like, the different voices to use. And she says something like, I don't know how to interact with colleagues. (laughs) She's like, I don't know how to, like, network (laughs) is basically, like, the vein of the conversation.
0: She was a teenager. It's just – it's crazy. You take a step back and you're like, is she, like, 18? Yeah, I think she's, like, 18.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, I, but I like that. Well, when they were like, "Well, you didn't exactly have colleagues when you were Queen of Naboo," and she's like, "Exactly." <laughs> she's like, and "Now I don't know how to network." <laughs> um, and I liked how she realized that there were things that were really helpful from her time as Queen that would be of use to her as a senator that like other people couldn't bring to the table. But sh- there were also like things she needed to learn how to do and how to, um, like make allies with other senators and like figure out who she should be allies. With and like it was a much different game than what was happening on Naboo.
0: Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes was in that um, in that Breya discussion that she had on Alderon, where she said, "The office of the of Queen of Naboo requires a certain suspension of self. Sometimes I feel like I'm I'm still pulling my individuality back in. Though there are of course many who would argue that I was too personal in my actions as a monarch. It's funny how she has to balance this." this thought and this general understanding that as Queen Amidala for Naboo, she put so much heart into that position. And now that almost is sort of a weakness in her senatorial career. And Mm -hmm. having to balance that is really interesting to witness because she has to kind of unlearn what she has learned in this way. Great. (laughs) Yeah, I did that. Unlearn. (laughs) Yeah, um,
1: and she, and that was part of like, Bale and Mina and Mon's whole thing. They were like, we don't know who you are or where Mm -hmm. your loyalties are. And that's what we're all trying to figure out right now is if we can Mm -hmm. trust you. And it was because she had this like queen persona for so long. And that like she thought, she thought that there were critiques of her being too personal and too individual. Whereas like all of a sudden we're like, no, not really.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It it was it was really good. Another moment I really liked was when she was in, in I think it was in the beginning of the book when she for lack of a better term, like skypes her parents mm-hmm. <laughs> and um kind of discusses with them her senatorial plans and everything and then the skype session leaves and I think it's Sabe who witnesses in this dark room Padme kind of alone in her individuality and kind of um, shedding this queen persona yeah. in those quiet moments. I loved that scene, and it's something that probably is gonna stick with me for a while because right after that, when she's faced Sabe and the other handmaidens, she like puts back on that face. And I thought it was a really good moment because it's it is reflective of who we see, I guess, in Revenge of the Sith. The Padme we see there, who is so vulnerable and who is so in her private space, always. Every time we see her, essentially. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I thought. Yeah, that was a really that was a standout moment in the book because I think Sabi describes it as like it wasn't the Queen of Naboo. It was like this young girl asked, like asking her parents' permission, Mm -hmm. um, like seeking their approval, even though she's the most powerful person in the room. Um, and yeah. it was like this really great paradox. Um, it was good. But I liked too and kind of on the topic of like loyalty that I thought was – well, it, I think it could have been done better, but I, I liked the the topic of loyalty that came up a lot and how like with Padme all of her relationships changed to all of the senators and like Bail started off as like very suspicious. But we know that at the end of the day like he's the one that's most loyal to Padme, like ends up taking mm-hmm. her daughter – Um, not the son, but he took the daughter. (laughs) Um, And then, like, with Mina, initially, like, you thought that, like, Padme kind of thought that that's where her, like, first friendship was going to be, but then she starts to get suspicious of that. And then with Mon Mothma, like, they have this, like, really interesting relationship where they're kind of butting heads, but they're also on the same side. And it's like – and Padme doesn't even know how to talk about it. She's like, how can we be on the same side when we're not on the same side? Um, Yeah. And, like, I liked how all of those loyalties were kind of moving around a lot. And I thought that was really well represented um, in Queen Ritalia and how Padme talks about Queen Ritalia Because when she first gets elected, Padme's, like, really judgy about her coming back after being – Yeah, that she's,
0: like, older and everything. Yeah, and coming
1: back after, like, being an opera singer. And she's like, that's not who I voted for. Um, But then when she comes back to Naboo after she's been in the Senate for a while, she's like – Man, what I wouldn't do for a few more years' experience. <laughs> uh-huh. And she suddenly, like, sees Queen Rotalia in this new light. And I thought that Queen Rotalia like, represented this really good, like, symbol for how Padme was learning how to maneuver people in the Senate and her relationships with them. And I don't know. I really like that tidbit of her coming back and being like, oh, you know, actually, I, th- I think I misjudged this situation at first. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of represented in her relationships with the people too mm-hmm. So I like that component of it. Speaking of Mina, who was she talking
0: to at the very end? She was talking to Dooku
1: and or Dooku's bust from the last twenty.
0: <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I think I I think she was talking to Dooku. She had to be, right? I think she was she's, talking she's to She's a separatist. I think not yet. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, not yet, but she's probably figuring it out. I think they're all figuring it out. I think bell's figuring it out. I think my moth was it out. They're all preparing. <laughs> Um, yeah, the the thing about the Mon Mothma-Padme relationship is that I do think that they would have continued to butt heads had they all worked in the rebellion together.
1: Yeah, definitely. It would have been – it's funny because I keep thinking about what Padme would have done in that moment in Rebels with Sagarera, like Big yeah, Hollow. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. And Mon Mothma's response to him. I keep thinking
0: about what Padme would have said in that situation. Um, I don't, it's weird because I kind of come down on the side that maybe she would def, uh, maybe definitely she would be a little bit more aggressive than Mon was. Maybe and maybe could help Saw. I don't know.
1: I think I think she would probably be
0: this like
1: combo of Mon Mothma and like Jen. Like, yeah, I'm just gonna go out and do it, but I'm gonna like be a little hesitant about how I go about it. Mm-hmm. Um. Like Mon Mothma would be. So I thought, right. yeah. There were some times that, like, I thought that this book, like, skipped over conversations that I would have liked to have seen. Um, and that was part of my frustration with, like, a lot of the relationships, both with the handmaidens and with the senators, is that I, I don't know, I thought, I thought that there were certain conversations that shouldn't have been skipped over. And I was like, why, are, why is this not where we're spending our time? Like, when Padme first wants to get onto Bail or Ghana's, subcommittee for um well for, I forget what it was called but transportation yeah the transportation subcommittee and she like goes to ask Bail and she's like trying to put on her you know like kind of vulnerable voice I liked that piece and Bail's like let's go take a walk and they take a walk around the garden and then like suddenly she's on the committee and I'm like no what what did they talk about <laughs> like, <laughs> like we missed that whole I went back and reread it twice because I was like did I miss something here? Like he just said, "Let's go take a walk and now she's on the committee," when like he's been super suspicious of her up until that mm-hmm. point. And then I th- I can't remember if it was with Mina or Manmathma, but they are having a conversation about like educational reform or something. And it's just like, "Well, we talked about it." And then like that's <laughs> then they move on to like what they're going to do for dinner or something like that. And I was like, why, like, I feel like those kinds of conversations would have been, like, where we were really seeing, like, Padme hone, like, her debate skills and, like, I don't know, learning how to compromise with people. Because Padme does talk about – I think it's from Mina that she says she learns how Mina, like, starts on one extreme kind of on purpose to then put herself in the middle and, like, make it seem like she came to a compromise. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Mina Orman. I can't remember who. And how, like, Padme was like, oh, I need to learn how to do that. Like, we never really yeah. saw Mina Orman, whoever it was, like, actually doing that in the book for Padme to be like, oh, I admire that about them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a moment that I actually thought was really good, but I see your point. I like when she was, like – I think she was talking about all the sleepless nights they got working on this one bill that they were going to put forward. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how she really liked talking with people who are like-minded and arguing against them and finding herself arguing – against their thoughts, even though they were really similar. Yeah. And it allowed her to hone in more on her ideas. And I think that's a very human thing to feel. And I, I really appreciated that line just because it felt, it felt right.
1: Mm-hmm. It felt
0: like, yeah, I think we've all been there when we want to, in a weird way, play a devil's advocate for something that we actually really like. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think we actually like... Solved, like you said earlier, yes. like we were just told that that was something Padme liked exactly. about the people she was talking with, but we didn't actually. Yeah, I want to see her happen. argue with Mon. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. it's it's kind of like, I know that, like, that's one of the big critiques of the prequels. It's like, it's a lot of walking and talking. Um, but it's like,
0: <laughs> that's why they cut out that scene of Bail and Padme walking and talking. <laughs> Literally. But like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, like, this is the book where you can do it because it's like Padme is in the Senate. She's like, newly in the senate and i don't know i think that's maybe why i would have preferred if we had had this like par not paradox but like contrast of sabe you know like in the slums of tatooine like trying to figure out how to infiltrate this slavery business and then kind of contrasted with like padme on like the highest level of the senate trying to do the same thing but like secretly and still like learning what the heck she's even doing. Um yes. but they're still kind of working towards the same goal of the slavery, but at the end of the day it's like Padme it's 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 so personal for Padme because she knew Shmi and then for mm-hmm. that like to ultimately fall to be a failure at the end of the book would have – I think that would have been, like, so emotional to have had it be something that is, like, constantly brought up in, like, Padme and Sape's communications. Like, any word yet? Any word yet? No, not yet. Not yet. Um, and for them to have, like, done a lot more work on Tatooine, but it for not to have been the work that, like, Padme was really going there for. Like, of course, mm-hmm. Padme cares about the other slaves. I don't want to say she doesn't, but, like, Padme no Shmi. Like, that's her – like, well, yeah. that I mean, that that's it, it was important. a personal
0: project. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, like, that's what led her to tattooing too. And I, I don't know. I think there would have been, like, a lot more emotion there because I think if, like, Sabé and Tanner had stayed in one place – Um, we would have been able to see more of, like, that relationship forming as it contrasted with, like, what Sabe felt her responsibility and her loyalties to Padme were. And then Padme would also have been, like, learning about the Senate and, like, Bail and everything like that. Um, But she would have also had this, like, ulterior thing that she was working on kind of on the side even without the Senate's knowledge. Like, with the Mm -hmm. aqueduct thing, like, I think the aqueduct thing was interesting, but – I don't know, I didn't super care about it. Um the way I did mm-hmm. Tatooine and and at the end of the day we spent like I don't know like 50 pages on the aqueduct situation. Um and like it was it's great to have that connection with Clovis and and what's going on with the Clone Wars. Like I'll never say no to an animation connection. Ooh. <laughs> I'll never say no to an animation connection. Yeah. But I, I I agree. But it's like I kind of can't believe that we spent more time with the aqueduct situation than we did with the Tatooine situation. Yeah, it's interesting. It's in- it,
0: was, it was it's interesting.
1: That's I guess that I like I just think like I think the Tatooine Thing was like so genius, and like something I hadn't even thought about as a possibility for this book. And I don't know. It was. I still
0: think that thematically for Padme's character, it is worth it for us to see this way that she can learn and grow and present something to the Senate, where it, this contrasts completely what we see in Queen Amidala mm-hmm. when she goes for the vote of no confidence for Chancellor Valorum, and it's like she's she's seen as a puppet. And she has to have this way to kind of grow from that experience. And here she is growing from that experience. And She had to have a moment like that. Yeah. And I don't think it was going to be um, working out the Republic's anti-slavery laws just because we know – it's like it's this problem of canon where we know that that's not going to be able to happen.
1: Well, yeah. maybe, But, like, maybe that could have been the point is that, like, Padme didn't know enough to take on something so complex as the slavery issue. And it's like – yeah, maybe she saved, you know, maybe her and the Sabe saved, you know, a certain number of enslaved peoples. But at the end of the day, it's like the system is still in place. And it's like – and then that at that point, it's like Padme's is like, you know, I think we have to take a new approach, even if it mm-hmm. means letting this lie for a little bit, which yeah. I don't like doing. Um, I don't know. It's and, and then like the whole assassination thing with the Trade Federation, it was like – the Trade Federation never felt like this big threat that I kind of felt they were treated as at the end of the book. It was just kind of like, oh, the trial is happening. The trial is happening. But in the end of the book, it was like super scary (laughs) that the trial had Mm -hmm. ended. Um, And like with the whole assassination attempt and like the fact that Bale was there um, at that, where were they? Like the lower levels touring. Like I felt that kind of got dropped and I was like why was bail there?
0: <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish that they dealt a little bit more with Padmé's trauma with that. Yeah,
1: and Padmé was like super okay to be like, "All right, Bail, guess we're friends now. Why again were you down there at the place that I was supposed to be assassinated at? Just curious." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's talk about Padmé's like too close relationship with Palpatine and what that really means. Mm. I don't think this is something that is explored enough, honestly, is the fact that both Palpatine and Padme are from Naboo. Like, I don't think we as a fandom discuss that enough, that the Emperor is from Naboo and so is the mother of Luke and Leia. And I thought it was really interesting how there were several moments where I thought Palpatine was pushing back and not giving Padme the time of day, but then by the end it felt like Pal- Palpatine was kind of propping up Padme and... It was interesting. I'm like, what is the long game here? Well, we know what Palpatine's
1: long game is. And he's – it's just how the pieces are fitting in for him. And because you're right, he does spend like – he's so – he's like – I thought he was really creepy in this book. Yeah, me too. And I think that's the point. Yeah. He's awful. <laughs> well, he's like the worst. <laughs> the mm-hmm. actual worst. <laughs> um, What's going to be interesting is after the sequel trilogy ends, it's going to be like, who's worse, Palpatine or Snoke? Oh, they're both terrible. But yeah, I, I I liked his inclusion in this book. I liked in the beginning when she is able to like drop her formal voice with Palpatine. But there's also this component where they all have to get like dressed really Yeah, she's quickly. like stressed. Yeah, because like the Chancellor has appeared. Um, Mm -hmm. and she like has to present herself to him, but then as soon as they're alone and Palpatine makes sure that they're alone, um, well, except for the hidden handmaiden, um, but I'm sure he knew she was there actually. Mm Uh, and actually I think he didn't make a note that he like spoke low enough to Padme that the handmaiden couldn't, I think it was Rabe who was there that Rabbi couldn't hear what he was saying, that they're, like, having these secret conversations, but she's, like, in her informal voice. So, like, she trusts him because he's from Naboo. But then, like, he isn't exactly on her side when she comes to the Senate. And she's kind of like, what do you mean you're not going to support me? <laughs> like, and he's like, that's not how it works, dear.
0: Deary? Yeah, yeah <laughs> literally. so weird.
1: Um, And at the end, she, like, she kind of makes that comment, too. She's like, well, I haven't asked Palpatine for anything yet, but, like, I need to ask him about this Aqueduct situation. And, like, I need to call in my favor now. And she's kind of realized that, like, she's realized that Palpatine is keeping the bigger picture of not just Naboo on his mind. Obviously, she thinks it's for nicer ulterior motives when it's not. And she's kind of not thinking about just Naboo anymore, too.
0: It's, it's interesting to consider a future where Palpatine thought that he could have Padme further support him and that when he was eventually going to, you know, take over the Empire, mm-hmm. that he could potentially have Padme on his side because of their good relationship and their, you know, similar planet. Yeah. <laughs> and I, clearly that doesn't happen, but it's interesting to read that as – Padme is really kind of almost disobeying what Palpatine had planned for her. her. Yeah. And I love that. I love that added, you know, <laughs> Padme, of course, wouldn't. Like, she wouldn't be fooled by him. She can't be.
1: I mean, she kind of is. On um, the bigger scheme, everyone is fooled by Palpatine.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. But, like, in that Senate uh, when he yeah, d- it, like- announces the the Empire, she seems to be one of the only people who – doesn't agree oh yeah at that point um
1: mm-hmm. but
0: now like in this moment in the book yeah it's, like it's, she just, wants it's, it's, him it's interesting to, be to imagine if Yeah, it's interesting just to imagine this future of Palpatine, maybe somehow seeing a future of Padme Mm -hmm. working directly with him.
1: Yeah, it's like she wants him to be this lifeline when she first gets to the Senate of like, oh, this pop, like he's from Naboo, this will be fine, Um, Mm -hmm. but then it's not, and then she realizes because I think it's Brea or it's um, I think it's Mon Mothma who says something like, you know, it's hard to stop caring just about your own planet, and to be thinking about everyone at the same time um, Mm -hmm. and trying to take all that into consideration. And I think Padme thinks that that's what Palpatine is doing. and I Mm -hmm. guess technically he is. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I think that's like the point that she gets to at the end of the book that I thought was well done is that like she's thinking now about that other planet with the aqueduct situation and it's like, oh, this is where I can call in my favor. Like she's calling in her favor for this other planet – because it's going to have, like, a ripple effect down the line. It's not – she's not just thinking about Naboo or even, like, just Tatooine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, yeah, it would, their their relationship is an interesting one. Um, whenever I think about Palpatine being from Naboo, I can't help but think of that robot chicken sketch where he's, like, buying a house on Naboo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't remember that yeah, one. I need to revisit that.
1: I th- it's, like, I can't remember it exactly, but he's, like – either buying a house on Naboo or like trying to get elected or something like that and everyone's like where did he come <laughs> One from? One of those things. Yeah. And they're like where did he come from? And they're like oh he just lives down the street and he's like yeah see I just live down the street like kind of implying that he's not even from
0: Naboo. <laughs> he's just kind of made <laughs> it up. It's funny. I need to revisit that. I need to rewatch Robot Chicken all the time. Me too. Um, so back to themes. I think that maybe one of the number one themes in this book, uh, alongside of self, sense of self, and like growing up, essentially, is friendship.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think you you talked about loyalty, but I think friendship is something big. And I think it's obviously a major theme in Star Wars, you know, these bonds that are formed between two people that aren't necessarily romantic. And Mm -hmm. I think that in some ways the bonds that are formed in Queen Shadow are romantic and can be seen that way. And that's a totally legitimate reading. But I think that the, the fact that this book exists on the premise that Padme had (laughs) these awesome female friendships, her entire life and her entire queenship, I think is, is the coolest thing and um, there are so many conversations in this book that are just between two women, just talking. It's great, and I, it's so great. And I think that that just like it bears recognition because it's so rare that this happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was overwhelmingly woman,
1: and I loved it. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like two of them just like hanging out. Like the I loved the beginning of this book because I loved them all just hanging out. After they went swimming and like talking about what they were going to do next, like it was very, it, like it almost had like a sister of the traveling pants kind of vibe of like, oh, they're all going yeah, to college, for sure. like where, like this will be the last time that they're all together like that. Um, but there's like something so sweet about that and mm-hmm. how they like missed each other when they were gone, and it like you know seeing Sashay with Queen Ritalia was like really exciting for Padme to see her again, and and of course like sabe is kind of always talking about how much she loves Padme um and like wanting to like communicate with her and stuff like that it just and there's like it's like two-thirds of the way through or something like that and it's just Padme and sabe and sabe just like rests her head on Padmes shoulder and it's just like a nice little quiet moment for the two of them
0: mm-hmm it was it was pretty relatable I mean I feel that way about like all my friends mm-hmm. is that like and I don't think it's something that books and movies really do especially well is how how they talk about how deep a friendship between two women can be without it potentially being sexualized. I think that, I think that that happens in this book. And I, I, I just want to say, I think that's fine. I actually really like, I like that Sabé is, you know, like totally bi, loved that. And I, I just think that this book doesn't exceptionally Good job of talking about how deep these relationships can be and go, and I hope it opens up people's eyes to, particularly men's eyes to how valuable female friendship is.
1: That's what was so great about Sabi and Tanra's relationship is that like, Sabe was like, "No, like I will pick Padme
0: <laughs> over
1: the romantic yeah. relationship I maybe have with you," uh-huh. and it was like I wanted to explore more of that because I thought that was such a great thing that you don't see very often Mm -hmm. is that the friendship is picked over the romantic relationship. Um, I thought that was such an interesting dynamic. um, And I loved how like ballsy Sabe was with that. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like you – this is – this is like one of the first times seeing female friendship really elevated and celebrated. And the handmaidens is like the best place to start with that because – it's like this ready-made group of young girls, um, who have kind of been yeah. thrown, in. and not that that's a bad thing. It's like there aren't a lot of places to look for that in Star Wars. Yep, and so it was it was really special. Um, and like I said, I, I really adored the
0: beginning of this book. It really was like going off to college. Yeah, and like, it
1: was that that vibe, and I liked it. And them, kind they're of... all
0: doing something different, and yeah. each is celebrated, mm-hmm. and everyone's proud of each other. Yeah. It's, so nice. <laughs> it's so nice. It's so nice. It, there's no jealousy. There's no, just no. There isn't. It was just so nice.
1: I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I think that was like – yeah. I just – I loved the beginning with all of them together. And I was like I, – I was so ready for like Rabe to be my favorite handmaiden. And like I think she is. But then I was like, oh, bye, Rabe.
0: <laughs> I was so ready to pick a favorite handmaiden and I just can't because I don't think I know enough. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the I think the I just, Padme is just forever my favorite. Yeah,
1: Padme will always be your fave. But me, I was like – reading all their descriptions and, like, what they were good at. And I was, like, apparently Rabe can, like, lip read really well. And I was, like, that's hella cool. And she can, like, find ribbons, like, wherever they go. She just, like, always can procure ribbons for, like, whatever costume they need. And I'm, like, that's an awesome skill. And (laughs) Rabe is going to be my favorite.
0: (laughs) Well, she can still be your favorite. She is still my favorite.
1: (laughs) But then they all left and we never saw them again. (laughs) And then I was, like, well – I don't really know anything about Corday, Versailles, or Dorme. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't feel any. I, that's the thing. It's like I expected to feel sadder about Corday. Like the impact of Corday's death and Attack of the Clone should mean more to me now. And I don't really think it will.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's like, oh, I have this more, inf- more information about her. I guess it doesn't necessarily change my reading. I think I have
1: more information it's about Rabe than I do of Corday.
0: You might be right about that. I, like,
1: I, I, really think we do, because, <laughs> um, because one of them is like the niece of Typho or Panaka. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think it's Dorme though. I liked the 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 subtle connection that Padme had made that she doesn't necessarily trust trust um, uh, Panaka anymore, and he, she doesn't really know his loyalties. Because of what we know in Leia, Princess of Alderaan, when he joins the Empire. Oh, yeah. It's always so sad. Yeah, it is really sad. But I like that she's, like, adept enough to, mm-hmm. you know, There's that tension. That. Yeah, I love the tension. Because mm-hmm. what was it? <laughs> it was, like, the Ion Cannon or something that Naboo installed.
1: Mm-hmm. And he was, like,
0: super against it. Um, yeah. Which is- I thought that was, that was a really interesting thing that they also blew up in, in this book. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that that was a conflict and, like, a pretty big conflict that people still don't really know how they feel about and that Padme is, like, intrinsically linked to it. Yeah. I think that it, it – Padme is pretty complicated because I think at her core, she wants to be a pacifist, but she will always want to be armed. hmm And uh, it, she obviously butts heads with certain people about this. And I think this book really kind of hammered that home, that that's a complication of her character. But it's also – just her experiences that prove otherwise. Mm-hmm. And that was another really great facet of our conversation with Brea um,
1: yes. was about that because Brea was like, yeah, I was really shocked when I heard about it because um, Alderaan and Naboo were like very similar in their like arts and culture emphasis and, you know, <laughs> peace. And then Brea was like, I really don't like that Naboo did that, but I would be lying if I said that I hadn't thought about it for Alderaan. And you're like, yeah, because
0: yeah, like times times they are a change in. Yeah, it, and it's like This book was pretty present in a lot of ways. I think that you can make some uh, comparisons to young Senator Padme to like some senators that are in the U.S. Senate right now or the House of Representatives, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think that this is a it was kind of an interesting commentary about the discussion of it's not an easy task to recover from like a traumatic event like the invasion of Naboo. And how do you deal with that and maintain your you know, your stance on being a peaceful nation Mm -hmm. and um, what do you do with these horrors of the past and how do you move forward and change, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really, you know, complicated thing for Star Wars to cover. And Star Wars has never been one to shy away from complicated politics, but I did love that Queen Shadow covered that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did too. Um, the last theme I really wanted to talk about was belonging. Cause I think that, and well, this will be really quick because I think that it, it kind of aligns with everything that we've talked about from adolescence to adulthood and, you know, finding your place and your voice and everything. But I think the word needs to be used um, belonging just because I think that it's a word that is kind of <laughs> sitting on top of the sequel trilogy as well. And I liked that it, it this sense of finding out who you are and, honing in on you know taking your past and like moving forward <laughs> in a weird way um, it was kind of a, a similar theme that we see rippled throughout the saga and I loved that
1: are you saying learned from her past? she didn't like forget everything she learned as queen of Naboo or her past traumas <laughs> as queen of Naboo? she brought yeah, no, it with her into the forward. future as the better renewed person?
0: yeah Just, that's what I'm saying <laughs> crazy I would say the same thing <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's amazing how we're on the same page about this. So crazy. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the idea of belonging is, like, paramount. I really liked how you said that, how it sits on top of the sequel trilogy. It does. Um, it really <laughs> does, especially from, like, our side of the speculation table, um, if there is such a thing. But there's – a, There's a table. There's a table. It's round. Um, <laughs> but the the sense of belonging, I thought, was really – Well done with Padme because it was like she was in so many different places and in so many different situations where she had to put on so many different personas and that is a really hard question that I think this book is like it's her in the middle of still figuring out. Where her belonging mm-hmm. actually is. I think she has like a pretty good idea of it by the end. And like she has this like victory with the aqueduct situation that's like really celebrated and everything like that. But she's still got a lot coming down the line. And and probably a lot more insecurities and vulnerabilities that get brought up that eventually like lead to her relationship with the Anakin. Mm-hmm. That will kind of – like form what she thinks her belonging is and, and where her belonging actually is um, with her family in Naboo, but also with Anakin. and But then also her belonging and like duty to politics and to government and like this greater good that she's found in politics or the greater good that she wants to do. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's like so complicated. And I think this book like did a good job of exploring how she has a lot of different things vying for her time and for her – um, attention and how she doesn't always know what to do with all of those motivations. Anything else you want to add?
0: I'm ready for quotes. Yeah, me too. Quotes is my. I favorite. really, I do, I really like the quotes. Okay, so let's go for it. Listen, Big Deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always.
1: All right. Welcome to part three where it's called Lectio Divina, which as we mentioned at the top of the show is a concept that we've kind of adapted from the excellent podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, in which Charlotte and I will read each other a quote and then we kind of give a first reaction to it. We have not read these quotes ahead of time. So – and you, you get to hear us flip through our books, which is always fun. Yes. So would you
0: like to go – Do first? you want to go first? You can go first. You can read to me first. Okay, great. So this first one is on page 298. Maybe next time one of our scientists would figure out soon enough to have to save someone. Maybe next time there would be survivors. I would try a thousand times, Clovis, even if I only ever saved one being. I would try 10,000 times.
1: It's like so interesting, the like how to save someone from dying. That's like what Mm -hmm. I think of immediately. (laughs) I liked her conversation with Clovis in this whole – like, I liked them having a bit more of a serious conversation because up until this point, it's kind of been – like, Padme keeps, like, inching farther away from Clovis on the picnic (laughs) bench and he keeps, like, scooting closer to her kind of thing. And she's like, he's always too close. True. But I I, I appreciate at the end of the book how they start to actually have more conversations, which kind of makes it all the more frustrating because Padme's like, I thought we were finally on the same page. Mm -hmm. And now you're trying to, like, get together with me. I liked that it was, like, Padme's motivations here and that, like, she has such grit and determination and that she kind of recognizes that things are going to be hard, but she's, like, still Mm -hmm. willing to go for it. You know, like, only if I ever saved one person, it would still be worth it. Like, even though small. Like, it's
0: not about the numbers for her. So I wrote next to this quote, I I did a big heart. (laughs) And I said – I love and always uh, her belief in things can change. Mm-hmm. And I, I love this. This was like a moment where I was like, this is Padme. Like, this is 100% Padme. Mm-hmm. She would try, it, this is her belief that anything can change, that they're still good in Anakin, that she, can ha- that she has the power to change. Mm-hmm. And I loved this so much.
1: It's a good one. It's a good one. Yes. All right.
0: You ready for yours?
1: I am. Yours is on page 101. Padme says, I shudder to think of it, Padme said. She paused and then continued. The strengths I cultivated to be the queen of the planet are going to trip me up as senator. Not all of them, Corday said loyally, but some of them. Dormi's loyalty was characteristically blunt. I can't be so distant, Padme said. I can't rely on people's faith on tradition. I have to be more approachable to my colleagues. You didn't exactly have colleagues as queen, Verse said. Which we kind of already talked about this quote, and I forgot I put it down here. But <laughs> clearly, I really liked it.
0: <laughs> it's really funny. I think the first thing I think of—it's well, hard because we already talked about mm-hmm. this one. But <laughs> I totally forgot that I put this as my quote down here. I—I <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's it, this moment was interesting because it really laid out for us that things are going to be different for her as a senator than the queen, and she has to kind of learn and adopt. This is pretty early in the book, mm-hmm. and. just even saying that like I don't know if like what I learned when I was a teenager is going to help me now on the senate senate floor Mm -hmm. and that kind of vulnerability is something I really appreciated in this book yeah just reading it back though on our
1: discussion about loyalty I liked how it was like Corday said it loyalty Dorme said it loyally too but different (laughs) (laughs) yeah funny (laughs) (laughs) super to the point point. (laughs) same but also (laughs) (laughs)
0: all right okay so your second one is on page 175 it's short i will show you padme thought i will show you what we can do together
1: this one's so good but also like such like foreshadowing as well because padme won't be a part of what's going on in the future but she's going to be laying all the seeds (laughs) Mm -hmm. Of the Rebellion. Um, Those seeds of Rebellion. They're (laughs) they're not even – I mean, you know know how in Resistance we talk about our pot of spaghetti that is the sequel trilogy? Well, with Padme, it's, like, the seed that grows. So, like, right now she's, like, collecting the seeds. They're Mm -hmm. not planted quite yet. They're about to be planted, but not quite yet. But I think this, like, ties in nicely to the quote you pulled the first one about just, like, her determination and, like, her – belief that things can be different and that she can be more than what people expect of her. Um, Mm -hmm. Because this was kind of something that was kind of threaded throughout the book, could have gone more into it, I think. Um, But like with the hollow news nets that were always like, here's what Padme was wearing. And like, she's just a puppet um, that were kind of at the front of these parts and chapters and stuff like that. It's like people underestimating her. And I think it was Bale at one point who also said like, People are always going to underestimate you and you can work that to your advantage. And Padme's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I know. And I think that this kind of goes into that. It's like Padme knows that she is strong enough to set out to do the things she wants to do. But she also recognized that she needs to learn some other things too. (laughs) She's Mm -hmm. like, I know that I can do this, but I also know that I need more skills in order to do this. And I just – I love that. It's like such an aggressive thought.
0: Like I'll show you. I will show you. I like it. Me too. I think that it's such a good quote based off of all those deleted scenes in Revenge of the Sith, which you just you what you alluded to about the seeds. And that's when like the seeds are being laid from like the creation of the rebellion. It's like we know when we read this that her her friendship and relationship with Mon Mothma will have drastic effects on what the rebellion looks like after the rise of the empire. Mm-hmm. And she is an active participant in that relationship with Mon Mothma, with Bail Argana, And she knows that by working together, rather than, you know, butting heads or being excluded, that wonderful things can be done. Mm-hmm.
1: And Padme also isn't going to be the one to just, like, follow up Mon Mothma and Bail say either. Yeah. She's, like, going to make sure that her point is heard and taken into consideration. Okay, so my next one is just a few pages back on page 170 in the middle of the page and it's padme to Typho. she says i promise to stay as close to you as possible padme said she grinned ambushly though i'm assuming you'll give us some space during the changeover
0: (laughs) the next line is he actually blushed which is just really funny (laughs) um (laughs) the first the first thought of mine is like this is a funny rare moment of padme's humor Mm -hmm. of like Yeah, you won't look at us, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of weird, but it's funny. was funny. (laughs) This this, book
1: wasn't very funny because it's not supposed to be. But I loved these, like, you know, every every once in a while there were just these little, like, one offs the Pad made just being kind of childish or, like, sarcastic. And I lived for Mm -hmm. that because I'm quite sarcastic. (laughs) Agreed.
0: (laughs) You are. Thank you. (laughs) There was a moment of sarcasm. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: there it was.
0: (laughs) Okay. So your next one is on page 160. Naboo had tried that once, dividing the population against itself, and the result had had been almost world-ending. Padme resolved to pay attention, not just listen, and not just look, but see.
1: I think this is such a good, like... It's like Padme on the precipice,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the galactic void, the, the
1: precipice of Padme. But I think there there was a quote by Mina at some point in the book where she was like – where she basically said like people are, are hearing you but they're not listening to you is the effect mm-hmm. of what Mina said. Um, and I think that this is kind of similar to that. It's like Padme is being able to like look back and like see what went wrong on Naboo and mm-hmm. know that she has to make sure that that doesn't happen. Elsewhere, that like the pieces that fell into place for the destruction on Naboo, like there was a way to prevent that. And it involved not just listening and not just looking, but really seeing what was going on, seeing how certain laws or policies are affecting people in specific ways and, and like actually wholeheartedly and genuinely paying attention.
0: Yeah, I think that the full quote is actually really important, and I'd like to discuss it. So I'm going to go for the full paragraph. Padme looked past the shining lights of Coruscant's wealthy upper levels and down into the poorer, more dangerous parts of the city planet. She couldn't see very far. She had the idea that that's how Coruscant liked it. Naboo had tried that once, dividing the population against itself, and the result had been almost world-ending. Padmé resolved to pay attention, not just listen, and not just look, but see. I think that last line is more referential for the whole thing, but I think it's worth discussing the fact that anytime Coruscant is discussed as like metaphorical as a city as a city planet, I love I love the fact that the city exists where the upper class literally lives in the upper cl- upper parts of Coruscant, and the lower class lives in the lower lower part. And I think that it's a wonderful observation of Padmé looking down and not being able to see down because she's so far up Mm -hmm. and having that moment of realized realization that even though she can't see, she really wants to be able to listen to those who are below and also this referential moment where it it talks about in it without any words, it talks about how Naboo's past was so divided against the gun guns. And I think that sometimes people forget that there's that, that underlying uh, plot point in, the Phantom Menace That, um, in order to save Naboo, the entirety of Naboo had to work together, and the gun guns hadn't been a part of Naboo, they weren't even allowed to vote. I think that the mm-hmm. this book references that, and I think that Padme being one of the only monarchs in you know centuries and centuries to recognize that it, it's refreshing to get another like a whole other line and a whole other um paragraph essentially of her recognizing that. Just because she is like in the upper class doesn't mean that she's forgotten about this divide that exists. And it's it, it's, it, it was a good moment. And how she's seeing it represented on other planets too. It's yes. just like it
1: just looks differently, but it's the same problem. Um
0: exactly. You
1: know what this reminds me of? It reminds me yeah. of the Colossus and how the tower yes. is literally the tower, and then the tower, the Ace's Lounge on Resistance, literally looks into Auntie's bar, that's like lower mm-hmm. class.
0: Anyway, love the Colossus. Yeah, and I think that that's a reflective, like, storytelling device from, like, even Coruscant. I mean, it's a pretty traditional thing to do to mm-hmm. demonstrate an extremely clear metaphor. Yeah, a social but hierarchy. Yes. It is, it's refreshing that Padme continues to think about that off-world. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's part of her journey here, too, is that, like, she has to learn, like, she can't just be thinking about Naboo. Mm-hmm,
0: um, and exactly. I think that was the
1: lesson for her to learn. Yeah. Okay. Your next one is on page 229. All right. And this is a conversation with Brea and Padme. And Brea mm-hmm. says, That's one benefit of a non hereditary monarchy. Brea said, a smile in her eyes, Your children aren't bound to politics the way mine are. <sighs> Love this. I loved, Love it. this I whole loved conversation. This
0: line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that it puts so much weight on Leia um, when you think about it. And it's, it's also just ironic because. Mm-hmm. These are two mothers of the same child. And it's, it, mm-hmm. pardon me, your child is going to be bound to, uh, to politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the irony is there, but also this recognition of the differences between these two people.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought I just like I loved it.
0: <laughs> this whole chapter was such like an amazing ode to Claudia Gray. It like even was. just the discussion of the- like a Pensa Peak mm-hmm. and everything. I loved it. I th- it was so great because we haven't really seen big references to the other books like that
1: within the books. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was really nice to, like come back to Alderaan, but like an Alderaan that like we recognize from the books, not from the sh- TV or the show or the movies. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, it was good. Padme does go back to Alderaan in the Clone Wars, and it's a great moment. But I I do like that she spent an extended amount of time there, and any time that Padme can talk about like how similar Naboo is to Alderaan and how different they are too is just really just like good fodder for the Skywalker like mythos. Oh yeah, honestly, hundred <laughs> percent. That's exactly yeah. what this quote was, and I'm for it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> all about mm-hmm. it. Okay, so your next quote is on page 151. Years of practice kept Padme's frustration from showing on her face. She was still not used to being thought of thought less of because of her youth and hoped she never became so dismissive of a person just because they lacked her own experience.
1: I love this quote because it's it's kind of what we've been talking about with Padme this whole time of like people underestimating her and judging her by her voice or her clothes or her age. Um whereas like on Naboo that was like what got her elected because they're mm-hmm. so young but now here in the senate that's not a benefit to her it's actually a weakness um and i think it's just like important that padme recognizes that she doesn't want to do that in the future for other people and it also got me thinking about her like being in like the junior legislation too and then how leia is in the junior legislation as well um mm-hmm. and leia goes on like this huge adventure as a very young girl junior legislator yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it was interesting and it was funny because I had a quote pulled from this page too until I saw that you had put in this page. <laughs> but Mon Mothma further down the page when she says, um, it's no easy task to part one's home on the in, to the side in order to serve a greater purpose, which is – we've talked about that already too. But this one earlier um, that you picked out I think is – I don't know. I think it speaks really well to like the transition that Padme's in at this moment in the book of, like, figuring out what she does with who she is um, and and all that comes with that, like, her age, her gender, her position as a former queen um, and how it's really frustrating being
0: judged for those things. Definitely. I think that – Outside of Padme's character, I think that some people may find it hard to relate to Padme just as someone who was a 14-year-old queen. Like, we can't relate to that. Like, we've we've never been a 14-year-old queen. But I do think that we can all relate to being judged by our age, Mm -hmm. whether we're older, whether we're younger. And I think that this moment of Padme reflecting on the fact that she has been judged for her age and how she hoped that she never would do that based off of thinking about someone's inexperience. It's not really, I I don't know. I just think it's, it was a good, a good moment. It was. Okay. All
1: right. Your next one is on page 295. We're flipping back and forth here. We're doing a lot of back and forth. Okay, cool. This is the very end. It says Jedi could see things that no one else did and Padme trusted in their vision as much as any non-Jedi could.
0: Ugh. Okay, the first thing you think of is, like, the word vision. Mm-hmm. And you're like, uh, oh, the vision that, like, will damn both Padme and Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that, like, I think this whole conversation with Deppa was really interesting, by the way. I, I didn't expect Deppa to be in this book. Mm-hmm, but here she be. But here she be. And she had a really good moment where she, like, definitely saw her. But um, I thought... Like, I thought this was a good moment because this is Padme trusting those visions, and it's ironic, obviously, because she does, You don't want her to trust a vision. You don't want Anakin to trust that vision. Mm-hmm. But, but, but this is a different vision. Yeah,
1: and it's interesting because in Revenge of the Sith, Padme is very much like, "Well, that might not happen," because um, mm-hmm. she doesn't want to. Whereas here, at this moment, she's like, "Oh yeah, I trust. I trust
0: the Jedi's vision."
1: But yeah. does she really?
0: Yeah. I, and, and just to be clear, the vision is – this is what Deppa says. You've grown, of course. You are wiser. You are more balanced, but you haven't changed. You're still the person who took on the f- Trade Federation, and I think you will always be.
1: Yeah. And I think it's like in the context of the moment in the book, Padme perhaps is thinking about, is that good? <laughs> that I haven't changed? Yeah. Um, is that is that a strength or is that a weakness?
0: And I think it's both. Yeah. I think it's a strength more than a weakness. But um, but then when
1: you put it in context of, like, what's coming down the line, you're like, oh, Totally.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the thing is, to me, I've always seen Padme as a balanced person. Yeah. I think that she is, like, the moral compass of the prequels. We've talked about this before. And I think that even Deppa just looking at her and knowing that she is a balanced person that's not easily swayed into some o- other, you know, whether it be just, like, honestly, for lack of a better term, like the light side or the dark side, mm-hmm. like I don't think Padme would ever turn to either, yeah. you know, I think that she's extremely balanced. And um, so in in that respect, I think that it's a strength. I do too. Okay. So are you ready for yours? Uh, let me turn. The last one for you. Ooh, ooh. A little dramatic there. The
1: last one.
0: It's the final <laughs> quote. All right. Page 210. <laughs> okay. She wasn't sure if that was the sort of future she wanted, building things with words instead of with actions or physical material.
1: <sighs> this is like, I mean, this, this is what you were just talking about, like the balance of Padme mm-hmm. of like, where are her skills best used? What skills is she lacking? How can she, like, are her words and actions really going to help? Um, yeah, are they enough? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are they enough? Um, or like, would she be better served? Cause she does that, um, in Attack of the Clones, there's that whole scene with Anakin where she's like, oh yeah, we did relief efforts. Um, and mm-hmm. that's like a picture hanging in her room. Like that's something that's really important to her. And like being able to see the like tangible effects of her work immediately when you're doing something physical like that, as opposed mm-hmm. to what she's been learning in the Senate is that it takes a lot longer and it's a lot more complicated and, a lot of the times so you don't get the results you want.
0: It's interesting that you bring that up. This The deleted scene of her in the room within her childhood bedroom with Anakin. And there's that hollow on the wall of, I think the child's name is like Natuli or something. And she went on a rel- relief mission. Yeah, I've seen it so many times, guys. <laughs> um, she went on a relief mission with her father. I think it was when she was part of the legislative youth program. Um, to evacuate this planet that was the planet's core was dying and the 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 people when they evacuated them they couldn't adapt and I really like that that scene first off became Canon and also motivated her in this whole aqueduct thing mm-hmm. and that conversation with Clovis like it, it kind of took me by surprise when Clovis was like, I think it was Clovis who was like this is something this is personal for you like what is this and that's what she said. And it, it really, like, put things into perspective for me as a Padme fan, like, knowing that that existed mm-hmm. and them using that. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um. But I think that this quote really does, like, speak to Padme as a pacifist and how she moves forward with the fact that she was also, like, a battle handmaiden. Yeah. <laughs> with a gun and a blaster and, and every, like, the closest reach. Yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Like, super well-skilled with a blaster. Like, it's fine. It's casual. Unlike Kaz from <laughs> Resistance. Sorry. So true. Oh, my God. You can't stop I can't about stop that. my resistance. resistance.
1: Okay. Let's go to our last quote. Now, this is the final quote. It's the final quote. It's page 313. <laughs> okay. It's from Palpatine. Mm. He looked pensive, and Padme knew he was reconsidering all the options. He might see something she had not, some opportunity or pitfall. He smiled. Ugh. So creepy.
0: It's just so creepy. He might see something she had not. Some opportunity or pitfall. It's always an opportunity for Palpatine, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Ugh. Every time that Palpatine comes up in like new canon, it's
1: just so
0: square. They really use him to make to make him look even more sinister. It reminds me of that. If you guys have been following. Galaxies, galaxies of adventures. I don't remember what galaxies of adventures it is, but I think, yeah, I think it's Palpatine's, like the Emperor's one. And there's this one scene where Palpatine is like whispering in Queen Amidala's um, ear, and like that's kind of how the whole relationship is to me. It's been like that since the Phantom Menace, and I think she learns to grow beyond that. And I think that that's what you see by the end of Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. But it is an ever-present like palpatine in her ear like trying to see something trying to get ahead of the game and which of course he does Ugh. it's so creepy i really that
1: was like i think there were a couple lines like that but that one was the most explicit where i was like oh he's thinking about he's really thinking about his long-term game here mm-hmm. and it was just so eerie Ugh. so eerie well on that super happy note <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you want to add about padme
0: Oh, it was so good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy we finally have this like hardcore I dedicated know, I can't even believe Padme it. content. I really, I can't believe it. I know. Like, it's been so long. I know. I mean, I think like 15 year old Us would have put more money
0: on the sequel trilogy than a Padme book. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like the thing that's so crazy is this book doesn't even mention Anakin like it's, the <laughs> it's it, they they mention yeah they mention that's an epilogue though like come on okay. like the entire book goes on with like out without fully referencing Anakin's name mm-hmm. and I think I don't think I like two years ago I would have said no Lucasfilm wouldn't do that yeah Padme is like, always going to be tied to Anakin's story and I think that she is she is in this book it's it's great and I don't I think that's a positive but yeah that's something we haven't talked about enough i think
1: in this in this discussion it's just how this book is so disconnected from anakin and it's like this whole story and world of padme that's just operating separately outside of him like when he's not even a thought in her head yet which i think is really special because like you said i think a lot of us would have assumed that her story was kind of always going to be revolving around his because he was the main character
0: yeah, I think that like it's brilliant the way they did it because I still feel like this book tied Padme to the Skywalkers mm-hmm. and it's like that that link is never gone. Even just, I didn't mention this either, but the reference to the Japor snippet, she just talks about it as her necklace. Mm-hmm. It's her ne- but we know it's her Japor snippet. And then even Sabe with her amulet, which is also like an amazing reference to old material from The Phantom Menace, which I think is a childhood, child's book that's called The Queen's Amulet. And it's what Padme gives to Sabe. And that is also confirmed canon here which is just really great and i really liked that there's this this um i don't know this understanding with the audience and the reader that like that necklace is something that's dear to her but we don't need to define exactly what it looks like and what it is Mm -hmm. because she
1: she it's like that definition the definition that we have for it seeing it in like attack of the clones and revenge of the is not her definition of it right now Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's not tied to that, like, romantic love to Anakin yet. Exactly. It's still just for luck. Mm -hmm.
0: Good fortune. Good fortune. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
1: Okay. I think – that wraps it up. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I hope you guys have enjoyed the show. As a friendly reminder, we are going to be on the podcast stage at Star Wars Celebration.
0: Oh my god! On April, tw- <laughs>
1: mentioning it, on April twelfth at twelve o'clock. Um, <laughs> and we have the finale of Resistance coming up this weekend, so please look forward to that. I know we are. Um, and on our Patreon, we have a commentary of The Force Awakens that's going to be uploaded within the next week, two weeks. Something like that. Um, so, if you're interested in our commentaries, we've started that. This is our second one um, that'll be up on Patreon. So, you can head over to our Patreon if you're interested in checking out that kind of content from us. Um, but if you would like to find us in other places online, I'm sure you all know where, but we are on skytalkers.com or at skytalkerspod on Twitter. We also have our own personal handles at Caitlin Plusher or at Clarity. Um, we also have an Instagram and an email. You can find us there. Just search, like, Sky Talkers, like, in general on we Google, come- and, like, you'll find all of it. Okay? Um, and <laughs> if uh, – the one thing that would really help us out, though, if you do anything, is head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave some comments, too, because they make us so happy.
0: Yes, please do. They help other people find the show, and that is really important. Mm-hmm. So, um, I also want to thank our amazing patrons Jason, Amy, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, sheree Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Swara, Courtney, Sintara, Thomas, John, Dominic, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Catherine, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpa Ruru, Patrick, James, Hamza, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kells, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Allie, Natalia, Das, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Aaron, Scott, Irina, I Bell, BJ, Casey, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, The Clashing Sabers podcast and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support means the world.
1: Yes, thank you guys so much and as always, may the force be with you.
0: May the force be with you.